many of us tend to be very in tune to how others are perceiving our behaviors. But can we do so for their sake rather than ours? This is Rabbi Yitzchak Price with another episode of Tachlis Talks. Growth-oriented, partial-related Torah podcast up to the Torah portion of Ayera. And apologies if there is some background noise over here. I just can't not take advantage of the incredible weather today here in Cincinnati, where at this point of the fall, it could be weather changes actually day by day and almost hour by hour. And as we progress, probably a lot less likely that we'll have opportunities like this to be recording outdoors in a beautiful, sunny, clear blue sky. So thank you, Hashem, for the beautiful day. And thank you to my audience for bearing with me that there may be some occasional uh, background noise out here. Parsha Vayera starts with the encounter. Abraham sees three men. We discover soon that they are angels in the desert. He runs out to greet them, provides for them. But in the opening description of his recognition that there are people here and I need to be reactive to them and provide for them, the text uses a double terminology. Vayar, and he saw that there were three men. And Vayar, and he saw and he ran to greet them. Well, it already said that he saw them. What's the extra? And he saw. And he saw the three men, and he saw, and he ran to greet them, says the Medrash. The text is describing that Avraham is really attentive to these men. He is watching these men, and he is gauging who they are and what degree of appropriateness they have with each other. And as the Medrash describes, one thing he was looking at was to see are they cholkin kavodzelazet? Are they respectful of each other? And if so, then I know that they're b'nei adam muhuganim, that they are fit people. They are good people. That each of them is what we would say is a mensch. If they are giving honor to each other, one who gives honor to the other, that's a mensch. Now, exactly why he needs to know this at this juncture on a simplistic level before I bring them into my territory, my space. I have my son Yishmael over here. I have others that could be uh, you know, somehow affected by the nature of these people and the character. I need to know that they're people of good character. Are they respectable and respectful of each other? This idea that the gauge, the determination, if somebody is b'nei ha'dam huganim, are they fit people? Are they people of good character? That that's measured by giving cover to each other is built in an idea. The Mishnah teaches us in the fourth parak of Perkei Abos, who is mechubad? Who is an honorable person? Hamachabed esabrios, one who gives kavod to others. And fascinating text in the Medrash on Shmos, quoted in the work Sichos Musar of Chaim Shmolevitz's essay on this week's Parsha, that God himself, God is called the Melech HaKavod, the King of Kavod, to whom the title of Kavod, of honor, is appropriate. The Honorable King. God is the king of kavod because God puts others in positions of kavod. He elevates Solomon, Shlomo, to be king and puts him on his throne. That indicates that God is a king of kavod. To be of kavod, to be an honorable person, means that you give honor to others. We find that the famed Academy of Beis Hillel, 
like whom we generally rule in halacha when there are debates between Beis Hillel and Beis Shammai, in describing what is it that made the Beis Hillel rise to this capacity that their word generally stands as the final word, that they made a point of always not only analyzing their perspective, but also analyzing the perspective of their opponents in a certain sense, Beis Shammai, and they would take the approach of Beis Shammai first. They would first analyze from the perspective of Beis Shammai and then present their own and try to see which stood the test. By putting those words first, by so respecting the opposition team as to analyze that approach first, that catapulted Beis Hillel to their level of what remains not only spiritual and scholarly excellence, but really having an impact on what is practical halakha for the next um, thousands of years. The antithesis of this, the capacity to be non-covered focused, the capacity to be willing to reduce somebody to be less respected, the Talmud views in very, very strong negative way. The Talmud in Nida describes that Boza Durachov, when the text indicates that one who brings out Boza, who brings out Bizayon, who brings out degradation, is a Ben Maves, is of outcome of death. One who is able to bring somebody to a state of degradation is associated with death as if he's already dead. As if in this current state, he is a personality of death. That is somebody, actually there it's actually talking between spouses, and it's particularly a husband who does something to bring about his wife's disgrace. That's a Ben Mavis. He's the antithesis of being alive. And connected with that is the theme that we had two parshas ago when Noah is defamed by his son and or grandson, Ham and Canaan, he curses Ham to make him an Eved because of the fact that he pronounced the fact that Noah had uh, disrobed and that he's drunk and he ridicules Noah. He is doing the opposite of giving kavod. He is not respectful to his father or grandfather over there. And he is doing the opposite of giving kavod. He is reducing Noah's kavod. And as such, he becomes for a long block of history in a position of being an evid, of a servant, somebody whose society doesn't give standard kavod, standard honor. Common thread over here, giving kavod to the other, what you call kavod habrios, this notion of our being respectful to the other and how critical that is because we are measured as whether we are respectable and whether we are vital and whether we are muhuganim, whether we're treated as a mensch, that's a function of the degree to which we can give others kavod. We can be outwardly focused on the need of the other. And there is a, the Pelayowitz kind of encyclopedia on different concepts in Judaism describes in his section on kavod habrios, he describes based on a much earlier source that when I look at somebody outside of myself, I should always be able to find a reason to give that person covered. If that person is more knowledgeable than me, I should be respecting that. If they're less knowledgeable than me, well, even though they know less, they try to be a good person and they don't even have all the information that it takes to be a good person. If they're wealthier than me, I respect the fact that they maybe play leadership roles in the community or that God blessed them with wealth and they have some type of a relationship with God that 
whether it's a parent or not, that he's giving them this blessing. If they're more poor than me, I should respect it despite the difficulties they have in life, that they manage to do whatever it is that they do, and I should be looking to try to bolster their situation. Whatever that other is experiencing, whatever that other portrays, whatever that other has, I should find some way to say relative to me, that person deserves some respect, and I'm going to be providing that respect. How to do that, the motivation and the understanding we can have, how to do that requires that we not be focused on demanding respect and commanding respect. If we're trying, constantly trying to pull respect our way, it's hard for us to shed that respect towards others. <clears throat> the more we depend on kavod, the more we depend on how others view us, the less we can extend kavod to others. Hey, actually, has a pretty good ring to it. The more we depend on kavod, the less we can extend kavod. The less we depend on kavod, the more we can extend that kavod. And we can also expand that kavod. <clears throat> to do so needs our pausing as we find ourselves constantly thinking of how does he or she view me when I do whatever it is that I do. And we are generally measuring how did he or she view my current behavior, my standing up there in front of the crowd as I do whatever it is that I do, or my playing some role at work or in some family setting or some social gathering. And we're thinking in terms of how are they viewing me now for me. Like I'm kind of feeling that sense of either pride in what they're thinking or feeling embarrassed in what they're thinking, but I'm measuring it in terms of the me. Can we turn it into can I think of how this is affecting them? That St. Pelioates in another section describes that, like an example, kind of a graphic example, crushing up a bug, killing a bug in front of somebody else, that can easily be something that causes somebody to stress. Ah, that was so disgusting. Well, the situation is such that I could react by either whisking this thing away, by stomping on it, but how I do so, I can do so thinking of, well, how will I be measured based on the societal expectation in this situation? Or I can do so based on what will make others more comfortable in the situation. And again, sometimes it's no choice and the best thing to do is to eliminate that nuisance. But can I be focused on a behavior and the reaction of the others to the behavior, not so much in terms of what do they think of me in terms of me, but what are they thinking and how is this disturbing or not disturbing them? Is it helping them or not helping them? And you read so many memoirs or people describing how they were in a situation, they were giving a address in a large corporate setting, or they were, God forbid, in a funeral and gauging how people are reacting to their emotional reaction to the situation and how people are, react, are, are measuring how do people view me when I am getting this promotion, walking my child down to the chuppah, whatever the situation is, you'll often hear people contemplating and read about people's description of what they were feeling in terms of what it did to them. We have the capacity, say the sages, to be doing all of those same things and doing them with a thought process of how does the other experience what I'm doing and how can I turn this into something that is of benefit to the other rather than myself. 
So in terms of, am I going out of my way to try to put others at ease if there's something that's happening where uh, it's a little bit too rigid or what I'm doing is a little bit too demanding? Instead of, well, how do they view me? Am I getting it right that they will give me proper respect? Can I be doing whatever I need to do? Again, in, let's say often in a work setting or a communal leadership setting and running a board meeting. Can be attentive to the needs of the other as I go through whatever that process. Our various behaviors, our various mannerisms, our various expressions, how we respond in some type of social media or sending a text. We can do all these things very much me-focused or I can do the exact same things focused on the other. I think in one Tachos talk years back, uh, we made reference to one of the great Musser personalities, those who focused on self-development uh, back in pre-war Europe, describing writing a letter. Now, I know that's an ancient concept, but kind of apply it to today's quick responses. Writing a letter and choosing nice paper and a nice ink and writing slowly because I'm attentive to the honor of the person to whom I send this letter. And I am thinking in terms of how can I make them more appreciate this that I'm sending to them? How can I make it more easy for them to read this? For me, that would be not using my handwriting, but probably typing it. But how can I do this in a way that will be covered focused for that other person? So think about our quick responses to people's comments where we're so fast very often with quick responses that include elements of cynicism or sarcasm, which sometimes the humor in that is just simply all around positive, but very often somebody may take this as a little bit biting. Somebody may take this as a little bit of a put down. Can I instead of responding with cynicism, can I respond with sympathy? Instead of comments that are critical, can I find ways to share comments that are supportive? Being focused on the covet of the other, the covet habrios of the other, being less focused on my own covet so that I can be focused on the other, ultimately make us into those b'nei adam huganim, those people that Abraham sees that's a trait that makes you into the mensch, that makes you a fit personality, it makes you into the one that is ultimately treated as mechubad, as the mission is describing, that if you can give covet to the other, then you're an honorable person. And we're mimicking the ways of the great honorable king, God, who seeks ways to provide that honor to others. Doing so is of great benefit to all those others, it's ultimately of great benefit to ourselves and will make all of us far more likely to be the type of people who can legitimately claim that we're en route to achieving our tablets.